Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. An interesting accusation has been leveled at Rome regarding the passing of Benedict XVI. That his final testament was probably not real, or at least it wasn't the final version that was released. The accusation comes from Mr. Louis Verrecchio over at AKA Catholic. The crux of his argument is that all of the post-conciliar popes rewrote and revisited their final testaments numerous times. But the pope, who was actually a prolific writer and had a, a lot of time on his hands for a decade and was a perfectionist in his writing, never revisited it once, which is suspicious to say the least. I'll go into that accusation in a moment. Towards the end of this video, I'll also provide a summary of a more nuanced take on the legacy of Benedict XVI. I recently gave you Bishop Schneider's very positive statement on Benedict's legacy, but the truth is that there is room for respectful nuance when analyzing Benedict's papacy, and I'll have that at the end. The two stories are linked because Mr. Verrecchio warns us that we will probably see Benedict's name and his legacy invoked for some of the worst things imaginable in the church in the coming weeks. So brace yourselves for that, because we all know that they are going to try to co-op Benedict for the modernist program. So let's get into this. And our main story comes from AKA Catholic and writer Louis Verrecchio, who was a Benny Plenist for the last few years, meaning he believed that Benedict was the true Pope and Francis was an anti-Pope pretender heretic. Mr. Verrecchio points out that the reports from the Vatican of the final words of Benedict XVI are inconsistent. Reports vary on what he actually said in his final moments, whether he actually said, Lord, I love you as the final thing he said, as reported, or if what they were said as his most mostly last words, almost by, followed by other attempts at speech. Now, that may not sound like that big of a deal, but it does point to the Francis Vatican's tendency to just fabricate things involving Benedict that fit their narrative. Mr. Verrecchio forcefully shows that there are inconsistent reports from the Vatican about Benedict's final words. I mean, he goes into a lot of detail in his article. And on the surface, that may not sound like a big deal, but the problem here is that this Vatican lies. They lie about the aims of their programs. They lie about Francis's relationship with truly wicked priests and bishops, accused of the most evil deeds. Hello, Father Rupnik. I hope you're watching this. They lie about almost everything. And in Mr. Verrecchio's piece, he makes the case that Rome is actually lying about Benedict's final words. With that all-too-brief summary of Mr. Verrecchio's take on the alleged final words of Joseph Ratzinger, he offers us this warning of what will come next after Benedict's passing. From his own article on his website, aka Catholic, quote, My intent, however, is not to suggest that Benedict didn't have pious thoughts as he drew his last. I'm happy to assume that he did. Rather, my point is that the scoundrels that presently infest the Vatican like so many cockroaches are propagandists and liars. Their story in this case has all the markings of fake news, a legend that they presumably intend to leverage to their advantage moving forward. I have little doubt that in the weeks and months ahead, the unholy see will publish alleged first-hand and second-hand reports, and perhaps even written forgeries, indicating that Benedict considered Jorge Bergoglio a doctor of the church, a prophet, and no less than a gift from Almighty God. My advice? Assume that it's all fake unless proven otherwise. End quote. It's a heck of a claim, right? Well, as evidence for it, Mr. Verrecchio looks at the spiritual last testament of Benedict XVI. I presented that short testament from Benedict about a week ago. 
Mr. Verecchio described it as an underwhelming document in its content, and I actually do agree with him. It was pretty underwhelming. It was written in 2006, which isn't an unusual thing for popes to do, to write their final statements many years before their deaths, because it can happen at any time. But Mr. Verecchio points out some interesting circumstantial evidence that it may have been tampered with by Rome in some way. Quote, This brings me to a more important observation. I highly suspect that there's more, possibly much more, to Benedict's spiritual testament than the text that has been published. Having found the testament of Benedict XVI underwhelming, I decided to take a look at those of his immediate predecessors. Upon doing so, a number of things stood out. First, one notes that JP II initially wrote his testament on the 6th of March, 1979. From there, however, he added to this initial text on five different occasions. On the 24th of February to, to the 1st of March, 1980. On the 5th of March, 1982. On the 1st of March, 1985. On the 5th of February, 1990. And on the 17th of March, 2000. I discovered that Paul VI did likewise, with his initial testament being written in 1965, and additions made in 1972 and 73. But of the three men, Joseph Ratzinger was the writer. When made Pope in 2005, he spoke about his love for writing and the fact that he would have to sacrifice his long-held desire to take it up with increased vigor in retirement. He enjoyed writing so much that he continued to write as a private theologian, even while in office. And we are we now to believe that he did not write even one additional sentence for inclusion in his spiritual testament during his remaining nearly seven years in office, nor during the eight years that followed until his death? If I were a betting man, I'd say odds are very high that he did make additions to that initial text. And what's more, those additional reflections will never see the light of day. Sound familiar? End quote. Sounds like an outlandish thing to say? Perhaps not, though. He goes on to point out that John Paul II's final testament made no self-reference to Fatima in the attempt on his life that led many to think that he was the bishop in white of the Fatima vision which Mr. Verecchio calls a fabrication done by Ratzinger and others to bury the Fatima message. But John Paul II never included it in his own testimony, which is odd to say the least. But Mr. Verecchio closes with this warning, which I think is just plain common sense. Don't trust the Bergoglians in Rome. Don't trust them on anything that they say about anything, but especially about Benedict and his feelings on things. The hierarchy has for decades shown a propensity for burying facts they don't like fabricating stories to fit their narrative, and anything they should say, they say should be taken with a healthy grain of salt. Quote, Bottom line, the untrustworthy nature of the men who have been leading the counterfeit church in Rome for decades is well documented. The Bergoglians, while arguably the worst of the lot, are certainly not the first to engage in treachery. They are merely the hierarchs du jour of the humanistic enterprise that emerged after Vatican Council II, and no act of deception is beneath them. With the passing of Benedict XVI, be on guard for an increase in Vatican theatrics and fakery, as the Bergoglians are certain to make use of his death in whatever way they can to further their diabolical aims. End quote. I agree 100%. Don't be surprised if in the coming months a letter that sounds nothing like Benedict is revealed to be his quote-unquote true final words, where he endorses the Bergoglian program in its entirety probably including a few barbs against mean trads who deserve to get suppressed and how great Francis's program of secular humanism is. You'll look for keywords like rigid, rigidity and all those sorts of words that Francis loves to use. 
But don't be surprised if that happens. And remember, it's all but certainly be a fabrication. The invention of the morally warped in Rome, who are bent on burying the faith and replacing it with their ape of the church of Catholic prophecy. A nuanced obituary from conservative German Catholic writer Martin Mosenbach almost helps make this point. Mr. Mosenbach provides a highlight of the successes and failures of Benedict's papacy, including most tragically perhaps of all that Benedict was aware of groups like the St. Gallen group and the Lavender group in the hierarchy, but he did not use the power of the papacy, the awesome power of the papacy, to defeat them, preferring instead to let the truth win out through dialogue and argument. That strategy was, of course, a catastrophic failure, but the summary of Mr. Mosenbach's statement from Gloria TV is worth going over because it does reinforce this idea that Benedict's legacy, such as it is, will be used to further the aims of those secularizing the church. So from that article, quote, Benedict XVI did not consider the church's tradition as a bargaining chip up for grabs following the expediencies of the day and was therefore insulted as, quote, the black head of the reaction. He, Benedict, triggered a wave of conversions and vocations to the priesthood. His friends often did not understand why he refrained from using the power contained in his office and deliberately did not govern with orders. But he allegedly wanted to trust solely in the, quote, gentle force of truth. With an assertiveness that he did not usually allow himself, he made in 2007 the doctrinal decision that the Roman liturgy was fundamentally withdrawn from the legislation of the popes and belonged to the inviolable good of the ecclesiastical tradition. In simple language, meaning that popes can't change the mass. Anyway, opposition to this act of legislation was fierce and culminated in the merciless harshness of Traditionis Custodis. It will be some more pontificum that was repealed before his eyes that will be remembered of Benedict XVI's pontificate. This sworn enemy of the revolution performed a revolutionary act in 2013 by abdicating the papacy, making the papacy appear in a disturbing way to be duplicated. In retirement, Benedict had to endure the cruel fate of seeing his most important projects pushed aside and his most loyal collaborators ostracized. He experienced the consequences of his weakness in judging people when the German prelates he had elevated unflinchingly took the path to schism. Benedict was destined to have caused himself his greatest defeat. It remains true that he was the best that could have been chosen as John Paul II's successor. End quote. A nuanced take like that is unlikely to be positively received by those who just want to canonize Benedict XVI immediately without the proper process, including, frankly, a, a century of cooling off so that canonizations don't just become an emotional response of the laity to the life and leadership of a beloved figure in the church. But if we're interested in the truth, then a nuanced take is probably the best we can hope for. Benedict's true legacy is complicated, and it will be remembered as such by future generations, once we are out of this long Bergoglian nightmare that we're all enduring in the present time. Plus, there are questions that remain unresolved about what motivated his resignation. There is circumstantial evidence that he was forced to resign due to external pressure, including from the government of my own country, among other pressing questions about his resignation, that now if you express doubts about the legitimacy of either Benedict's resignation or Francis's elevation to the papacy, you get called a schismatic, a set of a contest, and all manner of other scary-sounding words by conservative Novus Ordo apologists, 
including ones that many of you watching this video will watch content by today here on YouTube. It's an odd time to be a Catholic, and this infighting on the more orthodox side of the faith is not helping matters in the slightest. That's exactly what the Bergoglians want anyway. They want us divided. Don't give them that victory. Now, is Mr. Varecchio's prediction likely to come to pass? Should we expect to see Rome just fabricate an endorsement of Francis by Benedict? Is it okay to have a nuanced opinion about Benedict XVI now? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. There's the sharing this on social media that helps a lot, too. You can find a link to Mr. Varecchio's article, link to my show notes at returntotradition.org, or you can just go to akacatholic.com and read it there for yourself. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.